3: Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're
1: And hello and welcome to, to Fitsider Radio. Miami, I am MC Money, joined by How Houtziwa and Sutton, the creepy soccer dad. And we're coming to you this week with the Dolphins still hanging on by a very thin string of playoff hopes. They have to have a few things go their way. Of course, they have to win out, but the world and the sky is not falling. A lot of tweets coming out after Sunday's loss to the Buffalo Bills, which we'll get to throughout the uh, duration of the podcast, but a lot of tweets and posts coming out after that game that the Dolphins were done, that their season was over. While uh, it may technically, in terms of whether you believe or not, the Dolphins can beat the Chiefs, may be over, the fact still remains that the Dolphins are not mathematically eliminated. And for me, I am a glass-half-full kind of guy. House And Sutton, and when I look at the playoff scenarios, I don't see anything being unrealistic. Now, if the Dolphins had lost to the Patriots and then beat the Bills and then have to go to Kansas City and win, I'd feel a little less optimistic. But considering the facts that the Dolphins beat the Patriots, not only beat the Patriots, but beat them down throughout the entire game, gives me a little more ounce of hope that the Dolphins can go into Kansas City and win that game. And here's what needs to happen over the next two weeks of the season. On Sunday, the Dolphins need to beat the Chiefs. The Patriots need to beat the Bills, which is likely. The Jets need to beat the Chargers, which, eh, you never know, though, because the Jets have played pretty well this year. The Chargers are up and down, and the Chargers are traveling to New York, and it's a 1 o'clock game. So you always got that jet lag factor in, too the Rams over the Titans, which is very likely, and the Eagles over the Raiders. Now, the Eagles lost Carson Wentz, but Nick Foles came in and played very well on Sunday against the New York Giants. In Week 17, here's what needs to happen. The Dolphins over the Bills. Dolphins are playing at home. Matt Burke and Adam Gase have both seemed to adjust very well the second time around to division opponents. The Broncos over the Chiefs, and the Chargers over the Raiders. Now, if the Dolphins beat the Chiefs, The Broncos versus the Chiefs doesn't really matter in Week 17. But then again, if the Dolphins don't beat the Chiefs, they're out of the playoffs. So that game really doesn't matter at all. The Chargers over the Raiders. That only matters if the Raiders beat the Eagles this coming Sunday because the Raiders hold a tiebreaker over the Dolphins. So if the Raiders beat the Eagles, you need to root for the Chargers to beat the Raiders. If the Raiders lose on Sunday and the Chargers lose on Sunday, then the Chargers versus Raiders game does not matter. So if all that happens in week 16, Dolphins over Chiefs, Patriots over Bills, Jets over Chargers, Rams over Titans, Eagles over Raiders, then all that needs to happen in week 17 is the Dolphins need to beat the Bills, and then Jaguars need to beat the Titans. Now, if the Chargers beat the Jets, then you got to hope in week 17 that the Chargers lose to the Raiders, because in that case, the Dolphins hold the tiebreaker over the Chargers, and they would get into the playoffs if all that happened. You look at the division leaders, the Patriots are getting in. The Ch- Chiefs, Chargers, they're up for grabs right now. The Chiefs could lose the next two, and the Chargers could win a division if they win the next two. So the AFC West is very much in flux right now. The AFC North, you got the Steelers winning the division. The Raider, the Ravens are going to sneak in, not sneak in, but they're going to get the next wild card spot. And the Jaguars and the AFC South. You look at the Titans, they have a very tough schedule with the Rams and the Jaguars. They might miss the playoffs completely. So there's a lot going on right now. Side and Hout's what are your thoughts on the Dolphins' playoff chances coming up next two weeks of the season? how we'll start with you.
4: Damn, dude, that was that was hard to follow. I mean, uh, I I'm not really sure based on your scenario. I think it's all going to come down to that young ho, that young ho kick in the beginning okay. of the season. I mean, <laughs> that'd be nuts. nuts. Yeah, Shankapod missed it. He's he's out there. He's a free agent. No one wanted him. Uh, but Young Ho, that kick could be the difference maker. And it's just crazy to think that after the kind of season the Dolphins have had, it's been a roller coaster ride, ups, downs. Jake Cutler playing well for a few games, Jake Cutler looking like shit for many more games. I mean, it's just crazy that you sit there and you, you think at the beginning of the year things could be so great. Tannehill goes down, you, you're not really sure what to, what's to come. And now it's been up and down, up and down. And Miami still has a chance after that disappointing loss to Buffalo. You threw out the scenario, and like you said, I mean, it's it's really not that crazy to think that come week 17, Miami's playing for uh, playing for their playoff chances. So I mean, we just got to take care of business against Kansas City. It's going to be a tough game. Going to eat against this defense, and but most importantly, I mean, it depends what Dolphins team shows up, and that that's really what it all comes down to. Kenya Drake, he's been playing out of this out of this world, and you got a guy like Jay Cutler. It's all going to come down to him and how, which Jay Cutler shows up on Sunday. But for me, I mean. I'm optimistic. I mean, you, you have to be at this point. The draft pick seems to keep keeps falling back down further and further. We keep falling down the draft order, and it's just going to come down to – at this point, I just want to see a playoff game. Just just get to the playoffs, go against the Jaguars, if that's who they, they seat up against, and see what happens. Because at this point, I just don't want football to end. So that's where I'm at. Miami has a chance. Go, Jay Cutler. Do what you can, and let's see how this thing shapes up.
5: Absolutely. Thanks for mentioning that house. There are two games left possibly at minimum, hopefully more, but let's enjoy football while we still have it. So I'm taking a player's approach to the rest of this. And and by that, I mean, I'm just going to focus on the Kansas city game as fun as it is to contemplate all the different scenarios that may or may not have to happen to uh, catapult us into the playoffs. First and foremost, we have to take care of business at Kansas city And this is a team that doesn't really have a signature road win uh, that I can tell. So we have to be able to limit uh, Travis Kelsey to maybe under 300 yards receiving because it sure seems like he's going to uh, be a monster on Sunday. So like you said, MC Money, you see the glimmer of hope with the 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 Patriots game and the way we played there and then you have the floor of the Dolphins which is you know playing like we did at Buffalo so it's really hard to tell which team will show up but we know if the good team shows up we have a fighting chance against Kansas City because it's not like they've been playing their best football lately
1: we'll get into a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs and get into more detail but a few weeks ago, when the Dolphins had lost one of their games, I forget exactly which one, I had tweeted out that the Dolphins season was over for all intents and purposes. After calming down and not getting that adrenaline rush after the game where we all throw out stupid tweets, and then it's like you're drunk, or you, you know, you, then you wake up the next day and you realize, wow, why did I tweet that? That really wasn't accurate. But the Dolphins still had a chance. If I had tweeted back then that the Dolphins had no business winning any other games, let's get a top five draft pick and move forward then they started winning some games and you started getting some confidence again. There are still some tweets out there saying that Dolphins should lose the remaining games of the season, forget it, pack it in and just get a high draft pick and, and move forward to the next season. I'm of the mindset, uh, not looking at that foolish tweet that I sent weeks ago. I am of the mindset like you house. Give me one more week of dolphins football. I mean, as a, as a football fan, as a dolphins fan, why wouldn't you want your team in the playoffs? We saw the New York Giants, and I'm no I'm not comparing this team to the New York Giants who won the Super Bowl years ago, but they got in and they snuck in on the last week of the season as a number six seed. And the Packers did one year too. And they both won the Super Bowl. Now, do I think the Dolphins are a Super Bowl team? No, I don't think so. I think I think they have too many holes that expose will get exposed in the playoffs. But then again, the NFL is a funny, funny league. And if you get hot at the right time, There's no telling what you can do. And even Adam Gay said in his press conference on Wednesday morning that it would have been interesting to see what Jay Cutler could do if they had more time. And we thought Jay Cutler was finally getting a good grasp of the players and the system on this team until he laid a huge egg against the Buffalo Bills. But if the Dolphins were to sneak into the playoffs, who knows what could happen? If you look right now at the possible opponents, like let's say the Dolphins, the only way the Dolphins really can get in is a six seed, unless the Ravens lose their last two, and then a bunch of other things happen. They could possibly get a five seed, but more than likely, they'll get that six seed. So here's, you know, you look at the Jaguars as their likely opponent in the first round. Jaguars are playing great. They have the number one pass defense in the league. They have an elite defense overall. But for me, I I think that's kind of a team the Dolphins can hang with. Yeah, they have an elite defense, but the Dolphins, I think, can contain the Jaguars' offense. And if you get to that point, then maybe you play the Patriots round two. You would actually hope the Dolphins play the Patriots round two because they match up better with the Patriots than the Steelers. Let's say the Dolphins beat the Patriots and they get to the AFC Championship. I know I'm going way off the ledge here, but it just shows that, you know, you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. Am I right or wrong?
4: I think you're absolutely right. And I think it all comes down to that team we saw against the the Patriots on Monday night football. I mean, we saw what they did at Buffalo. They they laid an egg. They didn't really come out and play the way we expected them to after that huge win. But I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, I mean, all fandom aside, I, th- I think this team, if they play the way they did against New England on Monday night, I mean, play against any of these playoff teams. I mean, I know it's crazy to think and I know everything has to align. And all the stars and the humidity has to be right outside for Jay color to have the kind of game he did against new England. But I mean, you say yourself, Jacksonville, great defense elite. There's no better defense in the NFL right now than the Jacksonville Jaguars. But you, you got a quarterback there like Blake Bortles, you got Leonard Fournette who's banged up. And I mean, that's a team who gave the dolphins an ass whooping the last time. I, I mean, I can remember them being a the playoffs back in 2000 and they lost 62 to seven. That's something that you have to think uh I mean maybe these players they obviously don't really care cuz most of them were just young and probably playing high school football but for me I mean that that's what the Dolphins that, that that was a huge part of the Dolphins franchise and I think that's when uh things went went south after that huge loss to Jacksonville so I mean for me I just like to see Miami bounce back if it's against Jacksonville great if if they make the playoffs wonderful but I mean I think I don't know about you guys but the question I have is if the Dolphins play the way they did Monday night against New England uh is there any team that they can't hang with, in your opinion?
5: Yeah, how if we have a team that plays like they did Monday night against the Patriots, and we match up with a dink and dunk type of, type of team, I think that is a, a team that we can beat. It's the vertical stretching teams that scare me more. So if we get matched up with Pittsburgh in one of those games, that's going to be, I think, our kryptonite, should we backdoor our way into the playoffs. So when you look at this roster
1: with Jay Cutler as the quarterback, who's been up and down the entire season with the wide receiver court with Devontae Parker, up and down the entire season, not many ups, a lot of downs and with the defense who has been up and down the entire season, how it's, if the Dolphins make the playoffs, can they make any noise with, with this roster or is it more likely that it's one and done?
4: I mean, the fan in me wants to say this team has a chance and I know we both touched on Jacksonville's the most uh likely opponent if we do make it in, but for me, I mean, I gotta think this team would be one and done. I mean, Jay Cutler up and down all year. Uh, you like what Kenny Drake's doing, you like what you see from the offense and spurts and the defense at some points can look like uh an elite defense and then the very next week they're just getting picked apart. So I mean, whether it's Blake Bortles, uh whether it's you, you know, any of these AFCs. AFC teams, I mean, it, it's hard to say. I, I just don't – the fan of me wants to say this team can go out there and win a game just like I thought last year we could go out there and beat Pittsburgh. But ultimately I, I got to put the homer aside, and I just think that this team would be one and done, whether it's Blake Bortles or any other quarterback in the AFC.
1: Yeah, I think I'm with you, Houts, in terms of the fact that they would be one and done – while we just talked about in depth about how anything can happen and how the Jaguars probably is the best matchup in terms of who you will play in the first round because otherwise you're looking at the Ravens. And we all know that's not a good matchup for the Miami Dolphins. So you look at all that, but really, I think this team is too young to take that next step and really rise to the occasion. Yes, you can say the Jaguars are young too, and they are young, but they have enough talent to overcome. That youth mindset, if you know what I mean, the Dolphins don't have enough talent to overcome the mental mistakes that they would probably make in that first game of the playoffs. So, and how about you? Do you think the Dolphins can make any noise in the playoffs? Or are you with me and house? I'm with you guys.
5: I maybe win one game, but the last show we talked about the concept of a team clicking and some teams can click for several games and some teams only click for a game or two. We seem to fall into that category of a team that can click for a game or two. And then just cannot consistently produce it. So, even if we were to eke our way into the playoffs and eke our way into a win, I don't see it as sustainable. We just, like you said earlier, we just have too many holes that would get exposed.
1: It's kind of funny if you think about it because the Dolphins at eight and eight, and that's what they would need to be to get into the playoffs if everything else works out they would probably have the worst record out of all the playoff teams. So even if they did get that extra week of the season and they lost in the first round, their draft position is really not going to change much. So for all those fans rooting for the dolphins to lose the next two games, listen, it is what it is. We as fans, even though we like to think the way we sit on the sofa, the clothes we wear, the hat we wear, the beer we drink, the food we eat has an impact on the game. It doesn't. And we can sit there and we can root as much as we want for the dolphins to win. We can root as much as we want for the dolphins to lose, we have absolutely zero impact sitting on our sofa at home. Now, if we're at the stadium, we have an impact because we can make some noise. We can, we can help the defense on the field. We can help the offense get motivated or whatever. But sitting at home, there's nothing that we can do. And, yes, it is fun. It is entertaining. It is gives you something to do and to you know be engaged in the game if you root one way or the other. But if you know you have no impact in the game, why would you root for them to lose? It just doesn't make sense. Now, with that said, if the Dolphins lose to the Chiefs, Am I going to root for them to lose in week 17? No. But am I going to be upset that they lose to the Bills in week 17? No, I'm not going to be upset either. Because for me, if they lose to the Chiefs, it doesn't make any sense for them to win against the Bills. The Bills win, the Dolphins get a better draft position than the Bills, the Dolphins get a better draft position overall. If you're going to lose, lose out. If you're going to win, win out. Don't do one of this split 1-1 one, one stuff and just mess everything up. I know that doesn't make much sense in terms of what I just said, but it also doesn't make sense for fans to intentionally root for the team to lose on Sundays because, I don't know, I just I just can't sit there and cheer for the other team and cheer for the Dolphins not to get a first down or, or not to get a touchdown. And I, I think a lot of people are with me on that one. And I know there's been a lot of debate on that on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else.
5: Well, and Matthew, it's not like you already said it. We're not going to get that much greater of a draft pick. We're already out of the wheelhouse of blue chippers for the most unless, part. When you unless unless, unless they
1: lose out, unless they lose out, then they'll so probably where would top.
5: So where would you say we would end up if we lose out? Would we would we be like
1: eight, nine? I don't, I don't know. I think it's going to be tough to get into that seven, eight, nine range because you know looking at the standings right now, if you lose out, well if you lose out, the Bills would have a better trap position because they're going to beat you week seventeen. The Chiefs will beat you. Uh, just looking right here. Dolphins have eight losses. If they lose out, they'll have 10 losses, right? So, right. you know, the Jets might have a better draft position unless they upset the final two teams. The uh, Raiders would have a better draft position, most likely. The Broncos would have a better draft position, most likely, unless they lose their last. No, unless they win one of their two. But even then, they got to lose because the Dolphins hold the tiebreaker over them. Uh, the Bengals will probably lose their last two. The Browns. Yeah, I don't see any way they get to the top five. I would say more so along the 9 through 12 range. So even then, that's still kind of rough. You know, when you look at 12, 15, it's kind of all the same.
5: I mean, yeah, 9 to 12, yeah. Can you get a quality player? Yes. And do I know that much about this draft class right now? No, I don't. But with that being said, that's usually, when you look at previous draft classes, that's usually out of the blue chipper range. And like you said, between – Ten and twenty-two. There's a whole lot of parity there, so I, I, I'm not that worried about losing the draft picks. I would rather backdoor our way into the playoffs and just see what happens.
4: I think I think back when we were playing Denver, I think that's when we all agreed that. Well, I know at least Matt and I, we both agreed that that was the time when if this team was going to lose, that was the game to lose because that would have knocked them up. Uh, substantially right. up there in that top five range, if not higher. But then they came out and they beat the hell out of the Patriots. So, I mean, for me at this point, that losing out is not going to do anything at this point. I mean, a couple weeks ago, yeah, that would have been great if, if that's the way you wanted to view it. I personally, as a fan, want to see this team make the playoffs. But like we both said, they're not going to make any noise in the playoffs. And But at this point, you're in a rock and a hard place. Losing, you're not going to get a better pick like we all stated. There's good players there in that 10 to 20 range. There's going to be an elite player that falls to us. But ideally, losing back to Denver would have been the way to go. That would have been that game that kind of shot us up the draft board. But at this point, losing does nothing for the immediate future. I mean, in the long run, this team will be better off winning games, and it'll set us up for good things to come in 2018 when we get our quarterback back.
1: No one's trading in really to the top eight, no one's trading into the ninth spot, the 10 spot, the 11 spot, the 12 spot, right? Unless there's that quarterback there that people are really grasping for. You don't see a ton of trades going into that range. You see the trades really picking up the top three, top five. So you both are right. It doesn't do a whole lot for the dolphins right now to lose out. So you might as well sit there and root for them to win. If they lose out, let them lose out. It's fine. No one's going to be upset, but you know, I think people will be upset if everything else falls into the line and the Dolphins had that chance at the playoffs if they had won these two games. We're Dolphins we're fans. Th- we're always upset. <laughs> <laughs> we're just talking in circles about the playoffs. There's a lot of scenarios, and it's getting really confusing because we're contradicting ourselves one way or the other. I, the best way for all Dolphins fans is to just watch the game, root for the Dolphins, and let everything else fall in line, and I think that's just the best way to move forward with this. Yep. So I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to move forward from the playoff talk, and we're just going to wait for everything to play out but in the meantime, you know, let's let's talk about the twenty eighteen offseason because it's just a few weeks away. And even if it's even if the Dolphins make that improbable Super Bowl run, it's forty-six days away. And the biggest question is Ryan Tannehill. What do the Dolphins do with Ryan Tannehill? Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald put out a column the other day, an article that said Ryan Tannehill is the unquestioned starter going into twenty eighteen. But who is his backup? Is it going to be Matt Moore? Talks have started with Jay Cutler to bring him back at a cheaper rate to back up Ryan Tannehill, which is absolutely crazy. But Adam Gase, for some reason, sees something that we don't see in Jay Cutler. But at the end of the day, we're fans. We don't know what to look for in quarterbacks. So how are we going to know, you know, what's right and what's wrong for this team? But let's talk about the Dolphins quarterback situation. and. On the Finnsider Radio mailbag, Brad Finn asks, what are the chances of the Dolphins drafting a quarterback early as protection for Ryan Tannehill's injury? And if so, which quarterback fits Gates' system, Mayfield, Jackson, or someone else? Rob Carruth had a similar question on Twitter that asked, would it not be wise to have a backup quarterback with the same skill sets as Tannehill? So if he goes down, the offense doesn't have to change a whole lot. So both those questions have to do with Ryan Tannehill. And we know that Ryan Tannehill is the starter going to 2018. So, Sutton, you know, looking at those questions, what do you think?
5: Man, this is such a convoluted topic to discuss, but we might as well get into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, when, when let's you, do it. Okay, so let's start with Adam Gase, okay? So when he comes and takes this job, what was his really main platform in getting the job? To fix Ryan Tannehill. So he already comes in with this pedigree of being a quarterback whisperer, and he, he says, I'm coming in, and I'm going to fix Ryan Tannehill, and I'm going to get this Miami Dolphins offense going. Well, he comes into a second year, and he tears his ACL, and he's out for the year, and he's like, oh, shit, what do I do now? So he stumbles upon Jay Cutler, and that ends up working out for the, for the time that it did happen. There was no one else on the market. There was the familiarity there, yada, yada, yada. My question is for you guys, and we can kind of go back and forth on this if you want to, but if you're Adam Gase, do you really, really believe that you have the job security to invest a first-round quarterback draft prospect? If you draft someone in the first round at quarterback, do you think you have the time to, to see him develop all the way through I think that that would just be incredibly risky, in my opinion, if you're Adam Gase. I don't know that he would be on board with that. That's interesting because I'm of the mindset right now,
1: and this changed halfway through the season this year, that you go best player available no matter what. If the best player available on the board when the Dolphins pick is a quarterback, I think you need to pick a quarterback. Look at the history of quarterbacks in the NFL, and look at just the injury list this year to quarterbacks throughout the NFL. There's always investments in positions on the field in terms of if this guy gets injured, well, we have the next man up there. If that that guy gets injured, we have the next man up. The quarterback position, you don't always see that. And I I think it's time that teams should start looking at a different philosophy. You look at Aaron Rodgers. He goes down. Brett Hundley comes in. Didn't play terrible. But the Packers drafted him in the mid-rounds last year, and he was able to carry the team for a little bit until Rodgers came back last week and lost the game, but it wasn't his fault. I mean, you could say it was his fault, but really it wasn't. Andrew Luck goes down. The Colts are forced to trade for Jacoby Brissett. Deshaun Watson goes down. Their season's done. Um, but then you look at the Vikings. Sam Bradford goes down. You get Case Keenum to come in. And they're on a Super Bowl run. You look at Carson Wentz. He goes down, but Nick Foles is able to step right in. So while those guys weren't drafted on the team, those teams had capable backups. You look at the Cardinals. Carson Palmer goes down. Drew Stanton comes in, and their playoffs are done. You look at another team throughout the NFL, the Cleveland Browns. While those aren't injuries, those are still quarterbacks who are in a complete flux in terms of not being able to get the job done. You need to draft a quarterback early, and if the best player available is a quarterback in round one or round two or round three, you take him. So if your starting quarterback does go down, then you at least have a chance to compete. You have a chance to keep those playoff hopes alive. And if anything else, if those playoff hopes don't come alive, you at least see what you got in that quarterback that you invested in. Am I wrong, House?
4: No, you nailed it.
1: Thank nailed you nailed it on
4: head right there. I mean, for me, it, it all comes down to, I on Twitter for even bringing up the, the very idea of drafting a quarterback. I completely agree with you. The best player available. But for years, I've been saying this team needed to draft a quarterback. Uh, so far, since Tannehill's been here, I think we brought in Brandon Dowdy. Uh, He's a project, a huge project. And I don't know that the coaching staff has confidence in him. I I do think that this is the year Miami needs to draft a quarterback. I I mean, we both said it. We've all said it. It was Tannehill. As soon as he goes down, that's when the season went to shit. I mean, you can bring in Jay Cutler. You can try to have trust in Matt Moore. But it was clear that the coaching staff didn't believe in Matt Moore. It was clear that Adam Gase didn't believe in Matt Moore. Because if he did, he wouldn't have went out and paid $10 million to Jay Cutler. So you bring in Jay Cutler, who's supposed to be an analyst for the entire season, You bring him off of – out of free agency, out of retirement, you bring him in to be your starting quarterback, and you go out there and so far we won, what, six games? I I personally do not trust uh, surgery. I don't trust doctors. I don't trust any of those people enough to to put my entire trust or an entire season next year into Ryan Tannehill and how his ACL might turn out. I I don't know about you guys. I think Ryan Tannehill is the best quarterback this franchise has had since Dan Marino, hands down. There's not another quarterback – in these last 20-some years that I would take over Ryan Tannehill. But do I trust his ACL? Do I think that there could be that risk that that he goes down again, and then we're just sitting here. We're just watching another season pass by where we're just mediocre. I I don't like that. I think this draft has some pretty decent quarterbacks, whether you're drafting a Baker Mayfield, a Lamar Jackson, a Mason Rudolph. There's guys out there that you can get in the second, third round to develop behind Ryan Tannehill. And I think, ultimately, that's what this team needs to do. As for whether or not I think something touched on it. As for whether or not Adam Gase can sit there and put his job on the line, I, I, I don't know how things shape out in the front office. But for me, Adam Gase came in here. He inherited Ryan Tannehill. So at the end of the day, if he thought his job was on the line, could he not go to Stephen Ross? And, and I don't know, maybe say, this wasn't my guy. This is my guy that I drafted this year. This is how I see it playing out. This is the guy I want to develop for the future. I mean, Adam Gase came in here. The credentials were there. I mean, he won a freaking playoff game with Tim Tebow. So, I mean, you got to trust in Adam Gase a little bit here. I love Ryan Tannehill. I think he's going to do wonders next year. I think he's the guy that we've uh, we've been dreaming of for years. And I think if he didn't get hurt, he would have led us to the playoffs. That would have put all that to rest. And I think next season we're going to bounce back and we're going to see the Ryan Tannehill that we saw year one with Adam Gase. And he's going to become that top 10 to 15 quarterback if not sneak up there he has all the intangibles he's the guy that's going to lead this franchise back to the playoffs in my opinion but at the end of the day you need to draft a quarterback because if he goes down I don't want freaking Matt Moore or $10 million Jake Carlton taking over this team again
5: Uh, like I said earlier this is such a convoluted issue but let me throw a few more things out there and then I think we'll probably have to move on and get to other things but okay is if Tannehill is close to a top 10 quarterback like you're kind of saying how it's how many teams in the NFL can have a top 10 close to it, starting quarterback, be out for the whole year, and still make the playoffs? How many times do you think that's happened historically? I just think that's a little bit unrealistic expectations. If if you're gonna say Tannehill is close to a top 10 quarterback, now if you're gonna say he's the 25th ranked quarterback, then I understand the investment a little bit more. But More often than not, NFL teams are going to go down in a blaze of glory when their close to top 10 starting quarterback goes out for an entire year. And really, when you're talking about backup quarterbacks, you're looking at spot duty. You know, you, you want like two or three games. If you have to have a backup quarterback playing for most of the year, that's not a good recipe for any team, any defense, any special teams, any combination of talent there. That's a bad thing to have a backup quarterback playing for an extended period of time. And now, considering where we might be drafting, do you even think a legit quarterback prospect will be there considering how quarterback-starved this league is? Will there even be anybody there to draft? Like, I I just don't see a scenario where a quarterback is the best player available when we draft.
1: In round one you're talking about? Yes. Yes. People are talking about Baker Mayfield dropping a little bit, but like you said, it's a quarterback-starved league. I don't think there would be a quality quarterback. that would be number one on the best player available board in round one. But you look at round two, three, and four, that might be the case. Dak Prescott was drafted in the fourth round. Oh, look, Tony Rumble goes down in the preseason. Oh, look, we actually have a gem in Dak Prescott. Aaron Rodgers drafted with Brett Favre still there with a few years left. Oh, look, Brett Favre leaves. Aaron Rodgers becomes the best quarterback in the NFL. Gotta, gotta take that investment in my opinion. Even the Patriots took Garoppolo at the end of round two, right? He sat on the bench, but they were able to flip it for another second rounder. But if Tom Brady ever went down, he was more than capable of coming in to take the reins of the team. Quarterback is a polarizing topic. We can spend the entire podcast on this. We're not going to. We're going to move on in about 15 seconds. But we'll talk about this more as we get closer to the draft and once our quarterback rankings are pretty much set. But again, if your quarterback goes down, you want something to play for, you want something to look forward to. Jay Cutler and Matt Moore as the backup are not going to do anything for this team's future. You know they're a stopgap. You know they're a Band-Aid. You're not seeing anything you could possibly see that you don't already know about these two guys. Something we do know is that Kenyon Drake has been on fire the past three weeks, starting with the game against the Denver Broncos when he was the number one back, then going to the Patriots, then going to the bills. And this dude is an absolute monster. And the last three weeks, the only player in the NFL who has more rushing yards than him is Todd Gurley. (laughs) Kenyon Drake Sutton. Can he be a featured back in the NFL for the Miami Dolphins?
5: Absolutely. Now, that's not to be confused with a bell cow. I don't know that Kenyon Drake can be a on Bell type that doesn't have to come out of the game. He's had to out of necessity, basically, because there's no one even close to as talented as he is on this roster right now that's healthy to play running back. But I think the more ideal scenario for the Dolphins is for him to be a feature back, which I think is still possible in a committee. And by that, I mean we always think of a committee as thunder and lightning. Like that's the only committee that we even think of sometimes, but there's certain committees that aren't necessarily thunder and lightning. Maybe they have some overlapping skill sets, but they're still able to spell each other, be able to play third down, be more versatile. And those are the running backs that are finding more longevity in the NFL. It seems like to me. So I think that Kenyon Drake is the one a of the committee but I do think a one B will be necessary. I don't know how we get that. I don't know if we bring in a vet or do something else roster wise or, or spend a draft pick on a on a running back, but or bring back Damian Williams. It's hard to tell what direction they'll go in. But I, I do think Drake is a stud and I kudos to the young man for taking advantage of this opportunity. He certainly had a Great window of opportunity, and he's absolutely seized it. And he showed some great tape, but it's going to be a committee in 2018.
4: Yeah, for me, I mean, I was a guy that was a huge JGI fan. Everyone knows this. I photoshopped my head on him, drinking pickles. But at the <laughs> end of the day, Kenyon Drake, I mean, a feature back. Uh, that's a guy that you can build an offense around, and you just see the way this offense has taken off since he's been kind of pushed into that prominent role there. Damian Williams getting hurt. You kind of wonder where it was when Jay Ajayi was here, when Damian Williams took over at the beginning of – after that Ajaya trade. You just wonder why he wasn't the guy that took that next step up in Gase's mind because the mismatches he can have on the outside when you take – you motion Drake out there and you got a linebacker on him and one-on-one coverage. I mean, that's a mismatch you want all day long. And whether or not he can be that – bell cow, like Sutton touched on. I'm not sure that any team really wants that bell cow type running back because in this day and age, you're looking at a two-headed monster. I mean, you see it all over the NFL. You got Devontae Freeman. You got Devin Coleman. You got a guy like uh, Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray down there in Tennessee. I mean, every team has three running backs that they kind of rely on. But for me, Kenyon Drake, he has taken leaps and bounds, steps above anything I could have ever imagined. I know coming out, I wasn't the highest on him. I like Kenneth Dixon. Uh, I like some other backs there. But uh, what Kenyon Drake's done over these last few weeks, he's made a believer out of me. I, I think he has all the tools, quick, uh, elusive. I mean, he makes defenders miss just as much as J.J. J. ever did. And just the way this offense has taken the steps, the mismatches he can create, I, I like what Kenyon Drake is. And I can't wait to see him play with Ryan Tannehill next year because, I mean, when you bring that read option, that's something that Kenyon Drake and, and Ryan Tannehill are going to, they're going to, they're gonna, tear up defenses with that. I mean, you got Ryan Tanhill faking that handoff there, and then he's taking off, or he's handing the ball up to Kenyon Drake, and the linebacker freezes because he thinks Ryan Tanhill's taking off, or, or then he throws the football. I mean, you're starting to see these chess pieces come together in Adam Gase's offense. You kind of wish it would have happened sooner. But next year, I think with Ryan Tannehill, you got guys like Jakeem Grant, hopefully Jarvis Landry's back, Kenyon Drake especially. I mean, this this offense is going to take off next season. And, and like Sutton said, you don't know if they're going to bring a veteran running back. There's plenty of running backs in the draft. I mean, you see it every year with these third or fourth round guys just stepping up and taking the NFL by storm, the fantasy world by storm. Damian Williams, he's a guy that we all love as a as Dolphin fans, and he's a guy who I hope if Miami can find the right contract for him, he'd be the perfect uh so called thunder to Kenny Drake's lightning, and that would be a great tandem to have for years to come.
1: Well, we're all in agreement about Kenyon Drake. The one guy we're not in agreement about is Devontae Parker. And it's Blaine on Twitter asks, what is your outlook for the wide receiver position in Miami for 2018? Sounds like Landry will be back, which I hope and we all hope that he is. Other than him and still his wide receiver seems lackluster. Parker is nosediving towards bust. Carew hasn't done a thing. Does wide receiver become a priority this offseason? And this goes hand in hand with Devontae Parker. So outs for you, you know, what do the Dolphins do with Devontae Parker and the wide receiver core as a whole?
4: I mean, I think Devontae Parker, we can all agree, has not lived up to the hype. I mean, he shows those flashes. He shows those games where you just think, wow, this is a true number one wide receiver. He's creating mismatches. I mean, even last week, you saw him catch a few passes, things that you you saw earlier in the year, but then he took this huge break where he wasn't quite doing much, wasn't winning battles on the outside, kind of seemed lazy. So for me, I mean, you got Devontae Parker. I'm not really sure what his contract is without looking it up right now, but He's not making a lot of money. I know he's a first-round pick, but he's not making that huge contract that you'd expect from some of these receivers. So for me, I mean, I think the Dolphins can sit pat. They can see what he has in him next season, maybe hope that he takes that next step. But ultimately, you need to you need to sign Jarvis Landry at all costs. I mean, I know people say that that hey, Antonio Brown money is too much for him. I completely agree, but you need to find a way to get Jarvis Landry under contract because you got Jarvis Landry, you got Kenny Stills. You hopefully have Jahkeem Grant continue to make strides. But after that, I mean, this offense, these receiving corps, it's it's not much with Le- Le'onte Carew. That was a guy who I was very high on. You can't rely on him yet. So, for me, you just want to see what Devontae Parker can do in 2018 when Tannehill's back. And from there, take the next – see what goes from there. Because, I mean, ultimately, you got Devontae Parker. He's a true number one receiver. You, you see the flashes. You see the Demaryius Thomas in him, the Alshon Jeffrey, as, as some would say, a uh, faster version. But at the end of the day, he hasn't done anything in the NFL yet. He's just done flashes, and you got to give him one more year because that contract dictates it, and we'll see what he can do next year with Ron Tannehill fully
1: healthy. So there is some talk about trading him at the draft when that comes up. So you're against trading him, it sounds like. And how about you for Devontae Parker? Because for me, I've kind of given up on him.
5: Well, I was just going to say if we're assuming he's going on to the 2018 roster, my only advice to people is to expect less. And from a team standpoint, I'm not offering him a a fifth-year option. Absolutely not. So you either – you see if he sinks or swims. And I I know we've talked a little bit about him being soft, and that's the only thing that's really been what I've noticed more often than not is just softness. And it's just not a good recipe. So you just hope that going into his possibly – of his last opportunities as a professional football player to come in and try and make a name for themselves. Now, I know there'll be some other coach or GM that thinks they can make Devontae Parker into something spectacular if he fizzles in 2018. Uh, but would you feel very confident about the trajectory, the trajectory of his career after he's with Miami? I, I certainly wouldn't.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to let him go and then have him break out somewhere else it sounds like the dolphins are still trying to get the most out of him but then reports come out this week that his ankle is bothering him again and his foot is bothering him so who knows what this guy is doesn't seem like he can ever be healthy but one guy we do know about yeah go ahead house
4: yeah i just want to say we we touched on him being trader in the draft what exactly would be the you know appropriate trade value because i mean you just saw uh jhi get traded for fourth round pick like yeah, I know. right guys okay sending Devontae Parker to a team for a fifth or a sixth? Because, personally, I'd rather let that last year play out than decide on that fifth-year option because I looked it up. He's making about $3.4 million next season. I mean, that's yep. not a lot in the NFL nowadays for a guy who he shows flashes. We all can agree that he hasn't lived up to the hype. He's kind of a little bit weak. The injuries consistently are nagging with him. But, at the end of the day, I personally do not want to give Devontae Parker and what he could be for a fifth or sixth-round pick.
1: What about oh, you you're right. You're right. I mean, people have thrown out the third-round pick, but I don't think he gets a third-round pick because you're right. J.H.I. gets a fourth-round pick, and he was way more productive than Devontae Parker ever was. So if he's only making $3.4 million his fifth year, pick it up, let it play out, and see where it goes from there. But one guy we do know about who's going to have a successful season in, in 2018 is Cameron Wake, and he just is an ageless wonder where he gets better and better as he gets older. Actually, I probably shouldn't say that. He just never ages the way other people age while he has declined in production. He is still one of the better players on the dolphins. Brad Finn asks, what, who are the potential surprise salary cap cuts moving into the offseason? Could it be Cameron wake? And 39 is number one asks, could we trade away one or more of our players with medium to high contract costs to provide cap relief and get a player or draft picks back in return? And if so, who might we trade? Those both lean into someone like Cameron wake or Mike Pouncey. So for you, son, Cameron Wake is on the uh trading block for the Dolphins hypothetically let's say do you pull the trigger and let him go and really just put the focus on the rebuilding the Dolphins starting in 2018
5: assuming that it was a trade partner that Cam Wake wanted to go to I guess I would be okay with it I was thinking more more of a outright release if we're looking to let you know the the salary cap savings obviously but then the, to give Cam Wake an opportunity to play with a Super Bowl contender, so if he's released, he's kind of free to negotiate with whatever team he wants to. So I, I feel like the team would go in that route. That would just be an outright release for Cam Wake. But uh, I, I think it depends on if William Hayes, if they bring him back, and how they feel about Cameron Malvo, because that seems to be a kind of a new storyline there that the team seems really high on the sky um charles harris played pretty well against buffalo from what i saw on tape i was pretty impressed with his performance and think he's coming along pretty nicely as a rookie i definitely see defensive end as a possibility as an early round draft pick for the dolphins though at the same time um so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with wake but if he's not on the dolphins in 2018 it's because we released him, in my opinion
4: Yeah, I think we touched on it earlier a couple of podcasts ago. We both said that we kind of agreed on if the right suitor comes along and you can get some compensation for Cameron Wake to ship him off because, I mean, he's an ageless wonder. He's one of the better defensive ends in Dolphin history. But at the end of the day, the Dolphins aren't winning anything, in my opinion, this year, maybe not even next year. And it's time to let those young guys step up. I know Sutton mentioned a few of them. Charles Harris, he's a guy who, you just invested a first-round draft pick in. You'd like to see what he can do. They already invested money in Andre Branch. As much as i like to see Cameron Wake end his career in Miami, I think he deserves better, and I'd chip him off if
6: the right suitor comes along.
1: So one other guy that is a question mark heading into 2018 and maybe not the most obvious question mark is Laramie Tunsil. And on the Finsider Mailbag, Brad Finn asks, is Tunsil a better left guard than a left tackle? Is this future at left tackle? So we're just going to have one of you answer this one. I'm going to throw this one to you since you are the offensive line guru. What do you think about Laramie Tunsil going into next season?
4: Yeah, I thought for sure something was the offensive line guru. I know he likes that bush rod and the holes that he opens up. He might be, but we're just going to make it you today. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, For me, I I think what Tunsil did left guard last season and years prior, he seemed to do better there. But ultimately, you drafted him. He fell to you, and he was that left tackle prospect that you wanted. I think he struggled this year. You don't know if it's an injury or scheme or what it may be. I mean, Forrester, uh, he had to have some kind of role in this. I mean, you don't like what happened with him, but, I mean, he was the offensive line coach and things kind of went to shit. So, I mean, it's hard to say. I think Landry Tunsil ultimately will become one of the better left tackles or offensive linemen in the league. Maybe he was better suited left guard, but for me, he's a left tackle. He's, uh, you want to protect Ryan Tannehill's blind side next season and – I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, it's been an off season for him, but I think he can get better. And I won't look too much into this year.
1: All right. And with that, we are going to head into our FinSider Radio press conference. And we bring this to you when the Dolphins lose the game to bring some comedy and laughter into the show. And we will continue it every time the Dolphins lose and bring it to you every so often during the off season. And first up on the podium is Matt Burke, defensive coordinator, played by Houts. And we will send it to the reporter. In the audience, what do you have for defensive coordinator Coach Burke?
5: Hello, my name is Jordan MacGyver, and I am with the (laughs) everyone is an idiot except me Tribune. (laughs) Coach Burke, your beard looks like pubic hairs and brillo pads stuck together, but I will ask you this question, which I will assure you, you will answer uselessly. Coach Burke, what's the real reason why Xavier Howard has become a shutdown cornerback?
6: Well, yeah, Jordan, it's that was a great question. I know you touched on my beard, being pubes, and that goes back to that trip uh, Kiko Lanz and I had uh, got a glue stick stuck to my face, and then next thing you know, I got a bunch of Kiko's pubes on my face, so I got this sweet-ass <laughs> beard looking like the dude from The Hangover. Uh, but at the end of the day, it all goes back to, a wise man once said uh, DMX, uh one of my homies, he said Arf, Arf, yeah, yeah, girl.' Oh yeah, don't get it twisted, it's with this rap shit. It's mine. <laughs> it's not a fuck. <laughs> it's gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give it to you. to deliver it to you. Yeah, so that really touched home. I mean, I'm sitting there, I'm listening to this song in the way that stayed, and I'm thinking to myself, Is that Jesus talking? Is that the Lord and Savior? But, no, it was just DMX, and he was just talking to me. He was talking about this X guy, and I'm just thinking, holy shit, I had Xavier Howard on my roster this whole year. I've been playing 10 yards off these receivers. And do you believe it or not, I thought to myself, X going to give it to you. Does that mean play bump and run with Xavier Howard? Does that mean to play pe- press coverage against the New England freaking Patriots? I think it did. And DMX, he spoke to me. I played press coverage, and you see what Xavier Howard did. Two interceptions. Looked like the best freaking receiver on the Patriots. I got to hold all the DMX. I mean, at the end of the day, that's my boy, Arf Arf. <laughs> thank, thank you so much, Coach Book. But I'm appalled. Oh, who for, the, hell's book? who I, the hell's
5: Book? I know you're <laughs> going to tell some some more stories about matching fanny packs with you and Kiko Alonzo playing bumper cars.
6: Please tell us a story, you
5: moron.
6: Well, uh, one time, Kiko and I were drinking some Jackson Coke and, and some Captain and, and Sprite and all this stuff. We were just mixing all these booze together. Moonshine, that's what we call it. We called it a moonshine, but it was just a bunch of shit that we were just dumping we together. Bow lights, freaking craft beers. It was IPAs that all these little hipsters like. We we're putting all these beers together, and we, we just thought to ourselves, you know let's just go out there, let's just get naked, and jump in some bumper cars, and just ram the shit out of each other, you know? Just get out there and ram this out of each other. So that's what we did. We just went out there and ran the shit out of each other, and as you see, every week, Kiko goes out there, and he looks back, and he thinks, you know, what? Burke and I, that's my best friend, and we just go out there, and we just ram the shit out of each other, that's what I'm going to do with these receivers, that's what I'm going to do with these tight ends, we're going to go out there, we're going to ram the shit out of these tight ends, I'm going to let them bounce off me, I'm going to let them get open, pick up 15, 20 yards, but you know I'm going to tackle them, because I'm a bro, and that's what I do, and that's just the way my boy Kiko is, he's my bro, we're best friends, and I love him. Oh, man. All right, Coach Burke, thank you for
1: joining Finsider Radio this week on the Finsider Radio press conference. And before we bring up Coach Christensen to the podium, just a reminder, this is this press conference is everything the coaches wish they could see, say, but they really can't because they have to put on public face. So just keep that in mind. All right, coming up to the stand is Coach Christensen, and we have a question from reporter Pedro. Hello, guys, Christensen, this is Pedro Gonzalez speaking to you from the South Post, bilingual sometimes, and I just want to know from uh, you,
5: Coach Christensen, uh, please don't laugh, please don't laugh. (laughs) Go ahead, sir, I'm so sorry.
3: It's okay, it's
1: okay. So give us some insight as to why Devante Parker is struggling
5: so much. Pedro, you sound kind of. Arab, but (laughs) anyway, you know, I am going to give you some insight into this predicament for us, and you know what it is, and this is a little-known secret about Devonta, he's a big SpongeBob SquarePants fan. Did you know that?
1: I did not, because SpongeBob is not bilingual, so we don't pay attention to that.
5: Now, he's a big SpongeBob SquarePants fan, and he was able to secure himself. Some custom made SpongeBob square pants pajama pants from a seamstress in Asland. <laughs> I C E L A N D, Asland. And he was unfortunately in the situation where he did rip these custom made SpongeBob pajama pants. Now, the seamstress from Asland having logistical issues with this harsh winter that those Aslanders are having. They were not able to get that package out. And without them, SpongeBob pajama pants, Devontae just cannot get the job done. So, Colt Christensen, at South
1: Post bilingual, sometimes we sit at our desk and, and review this game tape, watching the ESL version of the game, of course. We, we just look at everybody. But the one guy that really sticks out on the field is Jay Cutler. And we see David Fails on the sideline itching to get in the game and, and just itching something that we cannot say on air because the cameras did catch him one time itching something. And we just don't want to talk about it because we don't do that kind of stuff at the South post bilingual sometimes. But why, do, why are you and Coach Gay so obsessed about Jay Cutler?
5: Well, you know, Pedro, I think the last time we chatted, you asked me about my obsession with Jay Cutler. And, now, this week, you're asking me about my obsession with Jay Cutler, and I'm led to believe that you're the one with the <laughs> obsession with Jay Cutler because here, here's the thing. The only thing Clyde Christensen is obsessed with is, is my Aunt Martha's lemon meringue pie. I tell you what, she can brew a lemon meringue pie like none other. I wish they could somehow, I don't know, scientifically cultivate that into a a body wash so I could lather it all over my body. And that's the only thing I'm obsessed with. And so, Jay Cutler, Pedro, that's your obsession.
1: All right, Coach Christensen, thank you for joining us here on FinSide Radio. And bringing up now the last of the press conference is Coach Gase. Take it away.
6: Uh, yeah, this is Johnny Nobles from the South Coastal <laughs> Inter- Invitational. Invitational. Northeastern South Division Coastal Scholastic <laughs> Times, and I got a question for you, ask, Jay. You're doing a hell of a job here, but after the visible <laughs> performance by Jay oh Connor against the Bills, do you still want to defend your boy?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, you know, Jay's my guy, and, and what people don't know about Jay is that he was born in Santa Claus, Indiana, and I'm not making it up. He was born in Santa Claus, Indiana. When you got a guy who was born in Santa Claus, Indiana, I mean, how can you not love him? He brings a spirit of Christmas with him everywhere he goes. He may not show it, but, you know, you just look at his face and you can see deep inside that he has the spirit of Santa Claus in him. And you should see him just walking around the locker room, you know, giving guys presents, giving guys high five. And I really believe it is because he was born in Santa Claus, Indiana. Now, he's criticized a lot, like I just said, for not making eye contact at times. And you notice that after losses, I pull my hat way down. And don't make eye contact either. But he has done his share of good deeds. And while a member of the Broncos, where I used to hang out with him at nighttime and and do some questionable stuff, he once teamed up with Oprah Winfrey. And I said Oprah Winfrey, and I meant Oprah Winfrey, to donate some football memorabilia to young children. Now, when these young children got that football memorabilia, they immediately threw it in the trash because they want nothing to do with Jay Cutler. But uh, I might be the only coach. In the NFL, who will attach myself to Jay Cutler.
6: <laughs> thank you, Coach Gase. You did a hell of a job. And go Dolphins. we still got playoff aspirations alive. Go out there and just smack Jay Cutler a couple times and shit, just go just fine. All right. You all thank-
1: are idiots. Thanks, Johnny Nobles. Thanks, Johnny Nobles. All right, and thank you for Coach Gase for joining us on the Finsider Radio press conference. That will do it for this week here on Finsider Radio in terms of listening thank to you, our Gase. coach. Thank
4: you all. That was great. <laughs>
1: All right, and uh, moving more towards our traditional show here, coming back after that nonsense there is looking ahead to the Chiefs on Sunday and who the fans should root for on Sunday. And we saw Kiku Alonso last week against the Buffalo Bills. Like um, Jordan McIver said to Coach Burke, Kiku was playing bumper cars. And John Manning on FinCider Radio Mailbag said – is he dreaming or, but his memory of Alonzo last year was that he was one of the top playmakers and a core player on defense. A bunch of fans this year think he's trash and that he wasn't very good last year either. What's a true evaluation on him then, now and going forward? And what's the truth about the position he is playing and where he would prefer to play, for example, the middle linebacker position? And going into the game against the Chiefs, uh, Alonzo is going to have to probably cover Travis Kelsey quite a bit, in addition to Lawrence Timmons and Stefan Anthony and TJ McDonald and all those guys working together. So for you, Houts, you know, looking at Kiko and looking at the defense against the Kansas City Chiefs, can the Dolphins stop the Chiefs?
4: Uh, that's a tough one, man. I mean, we sell t- tight ends to destroy this defense, mostly that middle linebacker core, the, the linebacker core there with Kiko Alonzo. Uh, I do think, like you said, Travis Kelsey's going to have a huge game. And for fantasy purposes, as a guy that's in the championship, I got Travis Kelsey. I would like to see nothing more than Travis Kelsey feast. But at the end of the day, can the Dolphins stop the Chiefs? I think they can. The run defense has been good. Kareem Hunt's kind of been that that guy that if, when he gets going, the Chiefs seem to find a way to win. And and when they stop him, that's that's when the Chiefs falter. So for me, I think you got to pressure Alex Smith. You definitely got to stop Travis Kelsey. Tyra Kill on the outside. He's a huge freaking deep threat playmaker. That I mean, it, he, he's one of those guys. That he's going to get his regardless of how well your corners are. So for me, you got to hope he's even Howard can shut him down. But at the end of the day, can the Dolphins beat the Chiefs. That's an Andy Reid coach team. You you see him falter every year. He kind of stumbles with play calling or one thing or the next. I think Miami can end up winning this game. I, I mean, I know that the Chiefs they started out strong. I think they won five straight. They're kind of that team in the AFC that everyone uh, everyone was like, "Oh man, and this this team's just going to waltz into the playoffs." And it, it just didn't happen that way. They they've to be taking a step back each and every week. So for me, stop the run, stop Travis Kelsey and Tyra Kill on the outside, and then just get to Alex Smith and. That, that defense, you can you can find ways to move the football in that defense. You just use Kenyon Drake. You you have a good Jay Cutler game, and, and this team go out there, and I do think they can find a way to beat the Chiefs.
1: When you look at all the offense uh, weapons that the Kansas City Chiefs have, you can try to press Tyreek Hill, then have some safety help up top. If you do that, then you're putting a linebacker on Travis Kelsey then you don't have as much safety help coming down to stop the run because you got to bring that one safety back to cover the rest of the backfield. It's going to be tough. But like you said, the Kansas City Chiefs are not unbeatable. Andy Reid falters sometimes. Their coaching staff isn't always the most prepared. The Kansas City Chiefs could be looking ahead. The Dolphins could come in super motivated. I mean, no one thought the Dolphins were going to be the Patriots. So Sutton, for you, how do the Dolphins stop the Chiefs?
5: That's a tough proposition because we were talking earlier, and I think those vertically stretching offenses are really hard for this defense to match up with, and you have the elite deep threat in the NFL right now and Tyreek Hill coming in. So you have to have either T.J. McDonald, one of your best running uh, run supporters, and, or you have Rashad Jones, one of your best run supporters, playing deep. So, you already kind of laid it out there. If you have to have someone deep all the time, then it's going to jeopardize how we're able to defend Travis Kelsey and how we're able to, to defend Kareem Hunt. And this does not feel like a good mixture for me in terms of how we're going to defend. I don't know that we have. I don't. Have you guys heard anything about Cordray Tankersley coming back for this game?
1: I have, have you seen
5: the injury report? Because I think, I mean, that's going to be a huge factor there. We're, we need Tankersley back. So that way, if, if we have Tankersley and we're able to match up better on the perimeter, then we can be a little bit more loose with our safeties. And then I think we can match up a little bit better. But uh, if we go in with the, the lineup that we had against the Buffalo Bills, I think it's going to be a very tough matchup for us.
1: The one thing that will go in the Dolphins' favor is that Alex Smith is not the typical scrambling quarterback like they faced in Tyrod Taylor. When the Dolphins face pocket passers, they seem to do better, of course. Alex Smith does have some mobility on his feet, but he's not going to be running down the length of the field, making guys miss left and right, and really evading the pocket and the rush. So the Dolphins will have that, but it comes down to stopping Travis Kelsey. Cordrea Tankersley, by the way, was limited in practice on Wednesday. TJ McDonald was also limited, as well as Andre Branch and running back Damian Williams. It would be nice to get Damian Williams and Drake, the one-two punch going again. For the Chiefs, uh, Eric Fisher, Tamba Haley, Benny Logan, and Eric Murray, and Albert Wilson uh, did not practice. I'm sorry, Albert Wilson did practice. Kevin Pierre-Lewis did not practice. Travis Kelsey did not practice due to an illness, but he's expected to be okay for Sunday's game. Obviously, that'd be a huge thing, but considering it's an illness, uh, don't get your hopes up too much. So, you know, the Dolphins are really going to have to put a masterful game plan together. The good news is that they are aware they are still alive in playoff contention. And as we talked at the top of the show, it's not really unrealistic to think that the Dolphins cannot make the playoffs. All of those other scenarios which come into play are very realistic. It's not like that we need the Browns to beat the Patriots or the Browns to beat the Titans, or anything else like that. It's very good teams beating mediocre teams that we need to have happen, and we'll see how it all plays out, but it begins on Sunday. The Dolphins lose. Their season is done. The Dolphins win, and the other scenarios happen. Their season remains alive. Any last thoughts before we head into Sunday's game against the Chiefs?
5: Like Hout said earlier in the show, right at the very beginning, let's enjoy football for two more weeks at the very least because the sports landscape is just a total blur without football in it. So just enjoy it, everybody. Yeah, I'm with Sutton based on what I said
4: earlier. I mean, at the end of the day, we all sit there and we just can't wait for football season to begin. And now we're two weeks away from it ending. I mean, at least from Miami's perspective, this is a team that I think we all hold dearly in our heart. And at the end of the day, football's number one as far as sports goes, in my opinion, and probably in all three of ours. So, I mean, just enjoy football. Root for the Dolphins to win out. I know eight and eights, that's just, that's just what we come to expect from this Dolphins team. I mean, it's been decades where we've just been mediocre, but at the end of the day, let's shoot for that eight and eight record and, and hope we somehow find a way into the playoffs where, you know, who knows, maybe miracles happen and this team wins a game or two. But just enjoy Dolphins football and go Dolphins.
1: Absolutely, you're right. Two weeks left of the season. Hopefully three plus more weeks if the Dolphins do make the playoffs. We'll see what happens. It starts this Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs for Haltiwa and Sutton. The creepy soccer Dad. I am MC Money. Thank you for listening to FinSider Radio this week, and we'll talk to you next
3: time. on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking super because we're the Miami Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami, Dolphin, Miami Dolphins number one. Miami has a Dolphin, the greatest football team. Take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking super coal. Cause we're the Miami dolphins. Miami dolphins. Miami dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami